Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure depressive aggravation. Take a look and you'll see into your insomniatic imagination. Hi kids. I'm your host, Sartini, and welcome to another episode of Depressed Ravings of an Insomniac. It is currently 2.32 a.m. in pure insomniatic form, and today what I want to talk about is the concept of being genuine. As a creative person, I'm always seeking to make art. I don't have much drive to make art, and I'm not scheduled enough to actually create as much as I would like to, but I do what I can when I feel that creative burst. You know, that's that's the scary thing about creative people, right? Like, it, it's hard enough as it is to create something new, something out of nothing, right? But it seems to me that creative people have this great hindrance where it's like, they're really good at making something out of nothing, even though the concept in itself is difficult. But what we're not good at doing is making something out of nothing on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? Like, in my world, I don't sleep almost at all these days. I'm very bad at that. I'm very bad at regulating myself. I'm very bad at even feeling the notion of time pass in general. I have no waking or sleep schedule. I have no motivation or drive to do anything and I just can't seem to get my life in order and that sucks when you're creative because it's like all I want to do is create but also I don't feel 100% drive to create and it's not like the right time so I'm kind of waiting for this special vibe to create and then you just get caught in these weird thought loops and you end up doing nothing and then your life slowly starts to stagnate so it's hard being a person whom is creative because when you are it it's kind of like your life is in a state of chaos. And I think that seems to be consistent with all humans. Like we need some sort of chaos in our own lives. Preferably, I think it's that the chaos needs to be external, right? You, you, you know, you've got your internal, you've got your thoughts, you've got your, you know, your soul and your spirit, and your body. And then apart from that, you have the external world that you operate in, okay? And one of these things has to be in a state of chaos. If your external life isn't in chaos, your internal life will be chaos. If your internal life is not with chaos, your external life will be chaotic, right? Let me go through what that means and we'll get back to the point of what it is to be genuine in a moment. So, you know, if your external life is chaos, that means you've got a lot of things which have high need to be accomplished, right? You've got a lot of responsibilities. You've got a lot of projects you're working on. You've got a lot of things which you are doing with your time and that demand to be done. If you do not have this in your outer life, your inner life will be in turmoil because you don't know what to do when things need to be done. There's no source of regulation. There's no immediacy. There's no motivation to do anything. And I think for me, what works best is when my life is as chaotic as possible. And my hypothesis, my hypothesis is that if I willingly throw myself into the most chaotic situation I can find, I will then be forced to become a better, well-regulated person, and then I can make art on a more consistent and thorough basis. That's the hypothesis, and that's the main reason why I'm going out to travel the world like every other 
kid says that they want to do when they're younger. Ooh, I'm so special. Um, you know, I'm trying to gain schedule in my life. I've never been able to have it. I have no, I don't even remember. I'm so unable to be, I, I lack discipline so much so that I genuinely don't remember how to sleep. Like, I don't think I have insomnia right now. It's just, I don't, my body doesn't remember the software that I can use to actually close my eyes and sleep. Like, I feel always wired and boundless with energy, but at the same time, I'm also highly demotivated. And I've got all these other weird problems. And again, I really hope that doing something insane like going to Vietnam is going to straighten me out. You know, it's like my version of military camp, I guess. I, I'm not really sure, but, you know, that's the hypothesis that I'll get my shit together because if I don't, I'll die. And that's a great motivator to doing anything. If I don't do X, the result will be my death. So I had better buckle up and pay attention and get those goals done, right? So that's the plan. Now, back to being genuine, right? So as you guys might have picked up, I really don't like cliches. And a cliche is basically things that people say which are true, but they're in these short little sentences that everyone uses very often. So, for example, I'm going to type in common cliches on Google and go through some because I want to make this really big point here, right? Okay, so some common cliches you might hear, for example, are actions speak louder than words. You can't judge a book by its cover. You can't please everyone. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know? We've all heard these hundreds and hundreds of times over, and it seems to me probably because I read a lot of Carl Jung, like, you know, all human, all humans are related at some level, on a conscious level. We might be different individuals with different fates, destinies, personalities, and experiences, but because we're human and we all have brains, it's kind of like we have some of the same thoughts. And you might want to say that those are societally based, and I think some of that might be true. But it seems to me all throughout history, we've had these common cliches, which have always followed us throughout the entirety of human experience. We've had these little things, these little nuggets of wisdom that we've found that we've passed on through the generations, either on a conscious level or an unconscious level. And my big problem with cliches is that if you use a cliche enough, you, it sort of loses its meaning, right? Like if you speak about how cool you are to a group of women, that might be interesting at first if your life is actually interesting, right? Like if I go up to a group of girls and be like, yo, I got my own podcast. I'm so cool. Look at all these subscribers. Oh, my God. I can walk down a street and people will know who I am and will take selfies with me and do autographs. And that might sound really cool to that group of girls the first time they hear it. But if I keep saying it over and over and over again, then it's kind of like, hey, guy, uh, it's neat that you've got podcasts and have fans and – you do all these cool things, but like if you keep having to say it, uh, it doesn't really seem like that's as cool as you're making it out to be, you know? So when we use these cliches, they don't have as much meaning, I think. What gives a cliche meaning, however, or at least what I think you should do or one should do to improve their speech is that instead of saying cliches, they try to speak about their underlying beliefs about that cliche, right? So 
What I mean again is actions speak louder than words. What does that mean? Well, we all know on the surface level, it means, oh, of course, like, you know, you could say something, but just because you say it doesn't mean that it's going to exist in reality. It doesn't mean you're going to follow through with your actions. And that's cool, but like, what does that mean to you? Has there been a time in your life when you've realized this to be true? Or are you only saying that because you've heard it before or it's some sort of a deep human experience which you just intuitively know, right? And instead of saying actions speak louder than words, what you might want to do is some self-reflection and say, well, you know, actions speak louder than words. Okay, so is that true? I'm thinking that it's true, but is it really? You know, it's like, okay, so what does that mean? It's like, well, this one time I set a goal and I was very conscious about this goal. And, you know, I was taking this really difficult class in college and I had to write a paper and the paper needed to be done by next Thursday. And typically when I have a paper, I just do it the night before. But because this paper is so important to me, it is now Monday. My paper is due not this Thursday, but the next. I'm going to write an outline tomorrow night, and then I'm going to do a final draft by the weekend, and then I'll do a final draft uh, by the next Monday. But of course, then Tuesday comes along, and you're like, well, you know, I could do this outline, but like, of course, I have friends, so you go hang out with them, and then you push your work off to Wednesday, but Wednesday you've got this one uh, girl you want to take out on a date, so you take her on a date instead and just keep pushing off your work, pushing off your work, pushing off your work, and then at the end of the week, your due date comes by, and of course you just write the paper the night before, right? And you go, oh, that's what actions speak louder than words means. It means that people tend to say a lot of things which they mean. They have very good intention behind the words that they're saying, but people typically seem to know less about themselves than they carry on. So people's words, while they might believe them, doesn't mean that they're going to come into fruition. Your words aren't exactly real, so to speak. It's more of a promise, and you're expected to keep a promise when you make one. However, promises seem to be easier to break than one might believe. And then it's like, well, I'm explaining actions speak louder than words, but I feel like I'm, I'm also touching on sort of another cliche to explain that one, which is promises are easily kept. I feel like I've heard that before, right? And it's like within these cliches is so much data and information, and it's so meaningful that they're really hard to elaborate the true meaning of them or something like that. But what we tend to do if we're on social media is sort of flood our channels with these cliches or common sayings or rather things that sound good in general, right? So my job as an artist, in a way, I think, is to try to find out what truth is. And things which the place the places truth lies most in this case are these cliches are trying to break down these commonly believed notions and try to figure out the deeper nuance of those word choices and, and have a conversation around it. That's my job as an artist 
whose life is devoted towards speech. I take these statements and I break them down into more nuanced, larger conversations. I don't just stop the cliche. I don't just stop at the thing that sounds good. I don't just say words to say words. I try to get the deeper meaning in it. And I believe as an artist, that's what it means to be genuine. It's taking something that we all know and understand to be true and we believe it to be so, but then trying to expand that to its limit, to try to go to the extremes of that idea and play with it and then make it into something a little bit more interesting than it was before. We have to take the simple concepts and make them more nuanced, add more depth to them, and, th and that's kind of art. And I, I find, I think that's it. That's all you need to do to be genuine, is to take a concept and run as far as you can with it. And when I say run as far as you can, I mean relate through your own experiences, your own reasoning, that cliche, that piece of information. Go with it. Don't just stick to one idea. Expand upon it. You know, it's kind of like when you learn math in high school, you learn how to like, factor numbers I don't remember the, how factoring works I just remember it's the thing with the trees you know like you start with one number and it's like uh, uh, let's go with 12 you know uh, there's 12 that that's one branch of the you start at 12 and then one branch of the tree is 3 so you go down and make a diagonal with a 3 and then another branch is 4 but you can factor that further so then you go 4 is split into 2 sets of 2 and then that's the end of the factoring tree. I, I think that's how math works. I don't know. I, I'm a broadcast major. I didn't do anything in college. Anyway, so like make the words you say into trees and expand them as far as possible. And when you can do that, I think that's when, A, you can be a very talented artist. And B, most importantly, you can be very good at conversations. And people will really enjoy being around you more because you're not sticking with the base level of conversation. You're not just seeing a stranger on the street making awkward eye contact and smiling back. Instead, you see a stranger on the street, you make awkward eye contact, and then you try to have a genuine conversation. You know, like you try a little bit harder than everyone else, which enables people to respect you. Because once you take action, that means the other person looking upon that action, that grants them the ability to do the same thing. Once you move, others can then move after you. That's sort of the concept of leadership, of going first. And when you can break down these bigger com, these smaller bite-sized ideas into larger trees of information that's what gives people the opportunity to connect with you because they see that you are actually doing something you're not just stating information to state information you're not just saying something because it sounds good because it sounds right you're trying to understand what it means to be human and that's something that everyone wants at the core to understand who they are what identity they can have and what we can do with our pitiful miserable existences I think about that so often but i've never really been able to articulate it into words because it, it you know art is hard truth is difficult I, I don't know how to make sense of of those things but i i consistently try my best every day and i guess that's why i enjoy doing what i do or attempt to do because i just don't know what the fuck i'm doing so there's always a new adventure to be had you know speech is cool i love it now there's one thing i noticed though in creation again and, and i think this is I'm not really sure what to make of it. So today is interesting for me because it's 
my last day in Pennsylvania. I hate it here so much. It's very boring. There's nothing to do. It's always either too warm or too hot. You guys know that. I'm from New Jersey originally. I love my state, and it seems to me that people from Jersey really hate people from Pennsylvania, and I got to agree that I just do. It's my natural temperament, right? And, you know, I've got 10 days until I leave to Vietnam. Most everything that I can do has been taken care of. I just need to throw clothes in a suitcase. So I'm in a state of nothingness. And what I've been doing during this time is trying to figure out how to make my art more effective and share whatever I need to at a higher level. And what that means is I'm trying to understand YouTube SEO and how to essentially vlog better, right? And to vlog better, of course, I, I'm watching the top vloggers on YouTube, the most prominent of which is Casey Neistat. So today, um, what I did was watch, I think I got to about half of every, I think Casey Neistat has over 500 vlogs in total. I'm probably somewhere in the hundreds. I watched about 100 of his vlogs today, and that was my project. And how I watched all of his vlogs was I just went on the playlist, hit go, and just hit watched everything he's ever made on times two speed, okay? This is the number one vlogger in the world. I'm looking to see what techniques and what information he's sharing with the world and how I can do that, but in my own style, right? And what I typically noticed is, what, what my understanding of Casey Neistat's content is, is that it's the highest level of production and storytelling value that you can give on the platform of YouTube as a vlogger. Most vloggers are just kids that are, just don't know what the fuck is going on, and they try to be these over-accentuated people that, that, that try to share how interesting their lives are, but they stretch it too far, and it just kind of looks like a big bowl of anxiety. That's what I feel like I'm eating every time I see one of these kids vlog. But with Casey Neistat, because he has that film background, right? He's made a lot of commercials, advertisements. He knows how to make a product look good. His vlogs have that feel of a sleek, shiny new iPhone that you're buying from the store. So production is the highest possible you can go. But what I realized is that the words he says in his vlogs aren't, they don't carry as much depth as I personally would like. What I found for him in his content, why he's number one, is because he just gives the baseline emotional spikes. He doesn't go deep in any of his content. Primarily, it seems to me that he speaks in a list of common cliches that one might find if one were to read any given self-help book. You know, hustle, work hard, scheduling, believe it, man. You just got to believe it. I've got this underdog story, man. You know, I find it very just atypical narrative standpoint. Like, you know, I was this poor dude that I got really good and the blah, 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 blah. And like, I'm not knocking that life because that's something we all actually have on one level or another. I'm knocking his ability to be genuine. He was making, I actually took notes on this because it fucked, it was angering me. I, the last vlog I saw, he was expanding on the same topic I'm trying to cover now. And he had made a claim that to be a vlogger or to be a creative person, you need to make your own stuff. You can look to other people for inspiration, but to directly copy any of their work is not creativity whatsoever. Okay, that's valid. We're not going to steal from other people. That is one perspective which you can definitely give some weight to. 
but he didn't. He just kind of stopped there. Okay? Now, I found that to be interesting because art is sort of predicated upon stealing. I think it was Da Vinci had the quote, good art is to copy, great art is to steal. We need to utilize the ideas of those who came before us in order to create something better than we are, right? We need to look in the past, see the developments which were made, and we need to understand that those developments were made for reasons that we might not know. And it's best to keep on the track of those before us and to remember them so we can take the work that they've made and use it into something greater. So what I just did there was try to explain a cliche and fail at explaining a cliche. There are some things I don't know how to articulate, but I still have to try to delve into them, even if I'm not ready to. Things will unravel at the time that they're supposed to, and apparently I just don't know how to explain Da Vinci's quote. But really, sort of, you know, the other perspective, which Casey and I might not be aware of, is that typically artists steal from each other, right? Like, for example, Steve Jobs, when he was making his products, he typically used that same Da Vinci quote, and he stole from a lot of his competition. And then, you know, he made the iPhone and all these great artistic achievements in technology because of stealing from others in a way. And then Samsung stole from Apple then. it kind They kind of took their iPhone design, basically did the same thing, and then over time eventually made it better. But Samsung actually would have went bankrupt if they hadn't stolen from Apple. And if they hadn't stolen from Apple, they wouldn't have been able to make a better product in their Samsung devices than the Apple's iPhone. The iPhone was superior at first, but it was only after Samsung basically stole the design and made a, a minuscule tweak to it to make one of their first phones well, not one of their first, but you know, one of the phones in like the late 2010s. That was just enough to get the company out of the red zone. And then once they were back in the green, once they had enough funds, then and only then did they push forward and start making more unique designs, which now Apple then steals in turn, right? It's a big process, a big give and take. There's a lot of duality involved, right? And I don't like Casey's Casey Neistat's perspective because, you know. That's one of the two options. To not address your competitors is to not make an argument at all. So there's that. But but mainly, the main thing I want to make is there, there's two kinds of stealing. One type of stealing is physically stealing someone's other design and using it for your own intended purposes, which is a form of plagiarism, one might say. That's a type of stealing. But the second kind of stealing, I think, is having a reliance on these cliches. Okay, And it's stealing because these are things that you've said, that your parents have said, that you're grandparents have said, that your friends have said, that most people in existence have said, these quick little sayings. To use those without trying to expand upon them and go as deeply as you can, I think is a form of stealing. And I think it should be viewed almost as wrong or a weakness to have a reliance on these phrases because it dims the quality of your conversation or dims the quality of your artistic creations. Now, just because it dulls utilizing these commonly established ideas, just because it devalues, just because it lessens the, the depth of your art does not mean your art will not be successful. I think Casey Neistat's vlogs are very successful and most people 
with large social media followings are successful because they play to these cliches. They play to these overused statements, hustle, hashtag motivation, you know, those just shitty motivational speaking guys. I hate them so much. It's going to make me angry if I keep talking about them. But you, you know the group I'm talking about, those weird self-help dudes. You know, even Gary Vee might be a good example of, of that. Just, you know, you take these common cliches and, and that's what you build your brand around. That's a really good idea because most everyone's going to be able to resonate with them. But just because everyone can resonate with them on a surface level doesn't mean that it's right to use these things because you're not, again, going as deep as you could. That's great that you can, you know, motivation and hustle and, you know, schedule and make goals and write down your thoughts in your mind and like blah, 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 blah. But to say those things, which you know have been said before, is a kind of stealing because you've either heard it from someone else, because most likely, again, you've heard it from someone else. God, I don't know what argument I'm trying to make here. It fucking bothers me, you know? I think that's a just it should be conceived as morally wrong to not go to the ends of the earth to explain what the fuck you're talking about dude i i don't know i really wish you know i came in here prepared with this topic and i really wanted to expound upon it but i just god damn it i don't know what i'm trying to say and that's another part of being human you know we we kind of go through life making all these assumptions about how the world looks you know like, oh, you know, I, I think I'm pretty smart. I think I'm pretty good at math. I can do all this factoring in my head. You know, why don't I go to college and major in math? But then you go to major in math and you realize that, oh, you didn't really understand how to factor. You didn't really understand fractions. You were just smarter than everyone else in your shitty little high school in your farming town. So now you're majoring in math, but everyone else is leagues ahead of you and your teachers they're not going to stop to go on your level. They're going to try to expand as far as they can go. And if you can't keep up, that's on you. But typically what happens is people aren't as great as they think they are. We make all these assumptions. We predicate our identity based off of the world around us, the experiences we've had, the people we've come into contact to, with. But if all those things are shitty, you're, probably all, you're also really shitty. You know, We're never going to be the best we are, so we typically fall short all the time. And I think that's why existence is so difficult because the only way to operate in the world is how you think you can operate in the world, right? You only know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Common cliche. What does that mean? It's we think we're in control, but we're not. And what happens when you come to this impasse? You submit to it and it'll go away. It seems to me people always have a tough time, you know, making a fool of themselves, saying, fuck, I'm a beginner. I don't know what's going on. I, I just, someone help me, you know. That frame is sort of degrading for people because it takes all their assumptions about the world and says, hey, buddy, you're wrong. You don't know what you're doing. And, you know, humans were kind of stubborn, so we want to be like, you know, no, no, I'm right. I'm, I'm right. I can do it. I can do it. No. No, you can't, Matthew. You can't do complex calculus. You just can't. It's not in your cards, buddy. Give it up. And it's in that moment that we give it up and submit to us knowing nothing and play the fool and become the fool. That's what I think opens us up to the higher levels of human experience. Even if you're trying to go on some rant that sounds really great in your head, it's not going to appear that way. Everything you do is always going to be something different than what's going on in your head. 
you know and i i when we realize that everything kind of just seems to get better you know like right here right now i'm not making any sense i had this really cool point and i wanted to talk about it and bring light to it and i wanted to you know give advice to help future creative people on their process and and try to make good content myself and do this really cool inspirational thing but i fucking failed at it so right now i should quit I should stop my audio recording. I should exit out of my program, reboot it, start my podcast again, and talk about something else. But nah, man. That's not my style. You know, if I'm fucking up with something, you know, what's that old saying? Like, a captain goes down with a ship. We're just going to throw out all the cliches, right? Like, you know, if you're making an artistic, if you're embarking on an artistic journey and you're really committed to creating the thing that you have in your head. You want to make your ideas into reality. You've got to go as far as you can with it. Things you think in your head, they're not real. They could be real. They have the potential to come into existence, but they're not physically here yet. But in order to make them actually appear, to make your ideas concrete, breathing them into life is fucking weird because, like... There's so many ways to go about solving a problem. Who's to say the one that you know the right way? Like that not might not be something you're able to do. So when you start out on an adventure halfway through, sometimes you're going to realize that not only are the thoughts in your head not able to come into reality the way that you think they should, but they can't exist at all, right? Like, you know, it's a common unicorn example. Like I can think of a unicorn in my head. I know what they look like. It's a horse with a horn on it. But no matter how much genetic engineering I can do, I can never have one horse birth another horse with a horn on top of its head. It's just not possible. But at the same time, you're thinking it, so in one way, it is real. But in a literal sense, it cannot be real. A unicorn is real because you know the concept in your head, but it's also not real because it cannot exist in the physical space. And that's a weird conversation to have, right? Like, what is the difference between real and and not real truth and untruth you know it's these weird nuanced spaces that i i want to try to tap into during this podcast and i hope that you guys are enjoying these topics because just to speak about these really strange places often makes the speaker sound kind of insane but in reality we all sort of have this curiosity around us but sometimes we're too afraid to delve into it because no one else has first but again that's okay that's why I'm here. I'll make a fool of myself and look like a crazy, raving idiot because what the fuck else am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? I can just sit at home and watch Game of Thrones all day. I would love to do that. That was my plan for the night. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Casey Neistat videos, learn about vlogging, watch some videos on how to expand my YouTube presence, get that SEO down, and then I'm just going to watch Game of Thrones all night, wake up tomorrow, and be pathetic, you know? But no, I had to come out here, make a podcast, and look like an idiot. Why? Well, that's what I feel needs to be done. We're halfway through the journey. I can give up at any time, but we're going to trek on anyway. Because maybe if I fail enough, I might learn something that I didn't yesterday. And that's cool enough for me to double down and do it. You know, life is weird like that. Uh, speaking of weird, um, as I was trying to address earlier before I lost track of my main point, was that um, it's my last fucking day in Pennsylvania 
for at least a year and maybe forever. I don't really know, right? And that's crazy, you know? Yesterday was very interesting, to say the least. You know, when I don't know what to say, I say interesting, right? So, you know, I my brother came over and we went shopping for a vlogging camera for me because that's something I'm going to try to get into and expand a little bit of my personal life on a physical level, on a film level, uh, through my show Life Survival Guide. I want to make that into a more vlog-oriented, show you guys around the world, how I operate in the world sort of thing. And then, um, you know, I bought this really cool camera, the Canon M50. It's this new thing that came out. It's very small and lightweight. Uh, it's got 4K video, a lot of cool functions, pretty cheap. Bought that. One of the last ones to buy in the country, actually, which is kind of cool. There are only two left. Um, so high in demand. So my brother and I bought that. We came home to my house, and, you know, we had, like, two hours until he had to go to work. And I was like, hey, man, you and I came into this world playing Call of Duty. We're going to end our time together playing Call of Duty. So we plopped in this game called Call of Duty Black Ops 2, also known as the best Call of Duty first-person shooter game ever. Fuck you if you disagree with me. You're wrong. Plopped in Call of Duty, played it for two hours, and, you know, had a great time. We didn't win every game, but we came in first on the team every time. You know, that's the important part. And, um, you know, I fucking said goodbye to him, and that was weird because I suck at saying goodbye to people. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to. I'm very bad at breaking up with girls. I mean, what? How do I do? How do I tell a girl that I loved her yesterday and don't today? That's a conversation that I I can't fathom having, or that like I thought you were beautiful on Tuesday when we had sex, but now that I'm seeing you in a different lighting, you don't look as cute as you did before. So now I'm kind of resentful towards you, and I don't like you now because I don't see you being attractive enough for me to have a child with like what the fuck is that conversation and like how do you say goodbye to someone who you've always been with most every day of your life say goodbye to them and say hey I might die while I'm on this crazy life journey but I need to you to believe in me enough that I'm gonna come back and see you again like what the fuck is that conversation I'm freaking out about it right now even like Jesus Christ to look into my brother's eyes and say hey dude I thought I was going to leave you for a couple years when I went to college. I wasn't sure if we were going to talk again. And, like, it was kind of a joke. It was kind of funny when I always used to say goodbye to you, you know, because, like, I was going off to college. I thought I was going to have this different life. Maybe I was going to leave you, but, like, I definitely knew I was going to come back. But this time, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if I'm going to come back, you know. And, and I don't know if my cell phone works where I'm going. I might not be able to contact you, you know, like, how do I tell my brother that? And um, the answer is that I didn't know. So I just looked you in the, him in the eyes and said, uh, hey, I'll see you soon. And I let him go. I remember um, when I was telling Jeruv goodbye, and I was getting pretty emotional about it. And he kind of, I think he like punched me in the chest or something. I was like, hey. Men don't say goodbye. They only say, I'll see you soon. Oh, that was pretty great for me to hear. 
because um, I don't know how to let people go out of my life. And when he told me those little words, it really helped when I was departing from all my friends. Uh, because it's like, hey, see you soon. Means that I'm intending to see you again. And promptly. You know, clearly. But like, it's a really good lie to have. Because it's a phrase which reflects positivity and uncertainty. Like it masks the uncertainty with this sort of optimistic notion. You know, like, hey, I'm leaving you, but, you know, we'll probably see each other again, so it's cool. Um, and me in my head when I'm saying goodbye to people and letting them go from my life, I don't expect or to see them again, right? Like my life is pretty weird and I've moved a lot and I don't have much stability, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a victim. We, you know... That's the kind of uh, what I've always kind of experienced. Like once you go, you're gone. Everything dies. You know, that's my frame of mind. So when I'm saying goodbye to someone, it's like, fuck, guess I'm not seeing you again. You know, like, hey, we had a great date, Maggie. It was really cool taking you out for tea. But, um, you know, I expect this to be it for us. I don't expect to see you again. Uh, you're a great girl. We got along well. We made out a lot. But, you know, this is the end for us. You know, even if the girl really likes me, I'm still like, yeah, nah, this is over. Bye. See ya. You know. I'm pretty pessimistic due to some weird concept of impermanence and inferiority. Who really knows? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out right now, but I don't know. You know, I have a hard time saying goodbye to people. It makes me very upset because I'm focused on the lack of them. And when Drew told me, hey, just tell people see you soon because, you know, that's all you can do. And I was like, oh, thanks, Drew, for showing me how much of an idiot I am. You know, just got to hide behind this one thing and maybe one day I'll be strong enough to mean it, you know. Words are kind of like training wheels sometimes. You say certain things because they sound a certain way and you're trying to convey a certain level of intention or strength of your desires, I guess. And sometimes we're, we, we need to say certain things, but we ourselves are a little bit behind, you know. Like, I want to tell you that I love you, but I'm not quite at the comfort level with myself to tell you that I love you, Maggie. So what I'm going to say is I really enjoyed spending time with you. I'm going to look you in the eyes and have this real passionate look, you know. And I'm going to do that enough times until I can tell you that I do love you, you know. I'm going to do a bunch of sub-gestures and I'm going to say a bunch of words that are like what I mean want to say. But because I'm not there right now, you know, I got to use these smaller tidbits of information. Fuck, I had a joke, but I lost track again. I don't know. Recording these things while I don't sleep, I think, is really starting to get to me. Uh, because I keep trying to have these really cool, complex ideas, but they just seem to be breaking down today. And I'm pretty focused for me, or at least, you know, intentful in my speech on this podcast at the moment. Like, I, I know where I want to go, but my body is just... Hey, Sartini, this is your body here speaking. Uh, what happened to that keto diet you had? What happened to being having a really clean diet? What happened to exercising, man? You know, you used to have sex a lot. Now you're not having sex because you're traveling too much. So, like, your sex is down. Your, your food intake is terrible. You're not sleeping anymore. You don't read. You've got no schedule. I'm on E here. 
that's what my body is screaming at me right now. My lifestyle is not good. And I think it's really starting to impact my art. Because <laughs> I really came into this podcast believing I was going to make some sense. And I keep dropping the ball on a consistent basis. Gip, gip, gabity, bloop, gip, gip, gabity. That should be today's title of the show because, fuck it, I lost today. I took the L, I tried to burn my own cross, and I fell down, and I couldn't get out of the mud. That's today's show, guys. I made no progress, I said no good points, I tried my best, and I failed. And the real question is, this show has yet to be released. I have yet to release a single episode, though this is about the 25th show I've filmed. So, when I go to edit this in 20 minutes, will I actually go to post it in the future? Will I post this piece of garbage in which I have given my full effort, but nothing has come into return? I hope the answer is yes. I hope future Sartini, when you go to edit this content, you put it out there, man, because the people got to know that you're a piece of garbage, but you're trying, you're failing, but you're trying, you know? And maybe if we showed a little bit more of our failures and how miserable and shitty we all actually are on the internet, maybe things would go a little bit better for us. You know, in the back of my mind when I create content, I'm always thinking of, you know, again, those vloggers out there, those guys who are you know, the, the young kids, they're all chipper and bright because they, they haven't got punched in the face yet. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do a daily vlog. I'm going to hold my camera up. And I'm going to look at myself in the mirror. And I'm going to just say what's on my mind and show you guys my day. It's going to be great. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, you know, it's going well. They're all chipper and happy. And the second and the third month go by and they're all great. And then they become Logan Paul and they buy a giant mansion and like the mansion on fire. And then they go to Japan because they don't have any more content. And then they go stage something like finding a dead body in the woods. And they think it's great, but they're so wrapped up in the narrative of vlogging. They don't know what to do anymore. And then they down spiral, get depressed. They stop making content and they die. You know, I always think, hey, that could be me. <laughs> I could be that guy who makes a lot of art and gets lost and then dies, you know, and then his career is just over in one foul swoop. I could be that guy, you know, and I think people lose their way often because they're trying to stick to the narrative that life is this happy, positive, idealistic place and that their lives are great. But hey, guys, girls out there, your life is suckish and boring. And you probably don't even like most of the things that you do on a daily basis. Don't hide from that, though. Be with it, man. You make a shitty piece of content, congratulations. At least you got out of fucking bed today. Hooray. You have a date with a woman, doesn't go so well. She slaps you in the face at the end of it because you're a loser. Well, hey, at least you realize you're a loser. You know, at least you... I couldn't get X, but at least I got to A in the alphabet, you know? I showed up. Sometimes that's all we have to fall back on. And um, that's the show. We did a show, guys, for, what is this, 43, 44 minutes? We made a show about nothing. We made a show about a sad man's attempt to find truth and failing at it. What do you freaking do? You did it. You got through today's gip, gip, gobbity, gip, gip. Uh, I feel very embarrassed right now. This is me 
struggling to be funny, to make a philosophical point. I've done nothing today. I'm struggling, I'm failing, and I'm dying. And that's art, kids. That's art. The struggles, the failure, the dying. Sometimes it looks good. Most times it doesn't. And everyone's a failure. But at least you showed up. At least I showed up. And here we are. We're doing it. That's what Mark always says. Anytime I'm stressed out, Mark just looks me in the eyes and goes, Sartini, we're at a club right now. We're at a nightclub in a basement, drinking water, surrounded by beautiful women who are not approaching because we're scared. But here we are, Sartini. We're doing it. We're here right now doing it. And that's what I'm going to end on today. We did it. We're doing it. It's done. Thanks so much for coming on today's journey with me. Like, dislike the video. I don't give a fuck. Give me a comment. Help my poor soul out. I don't know. I just appreciate you guys being here. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye.